0: Well, good morning. It's great to be with you today. My name is Steve Murphy. I'm one of the ministers here. Um, last week, we started a brand new series called I Will. Today, we're in the second week of that. Uh, last week, we talked about how we need to connect with God. Today, we were going to talk about how we need to connect with people. Now, to be really 100% super honest, sometimes it's, it's good to be transparent, right? Um, there are times when I honestly do not want to connect with people at all. Just don't have any desire to do it. Um, and I know some of you are that way, too. Um, probably all of us are at some point. Some people are kind of wired that way. Like, they're just, the, the way that God designed them, they really appreciate their time alone more than they appreciate time with other people. Um, or sometimes we're just, like, really tired, you know. We're just like, ah, oh, I, I just I don't want to be around people. I'm kind of tired. And that can be emotional or that can be physical or any other kind of tiredness. Um, sometimes the reason people don't want to connect with other people is because that has been really painful in their past. Um, Sometimes it's been incredibly painful. People even that they've trusted have done things that have caused them to not want to be around people. And so there are all kinds of reasons why we might not want to connect with people. It's interesting when you look at the life of Jesus as he walked here on this planet, there were times, obviously, when he was around people. You know, I mean, we see a lot of that. But we also see times when Jesus just, he had to get away. You know, he had to get away and, and just say, I need to, to be a part, and I need to connect with God so that then I can come back and connect with people. So even if your natural inclination is that you don't want to be with people all of the time, there are definitely times when we should be together, and there are huge blessings that come from that being the case. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the benefits that we have of being together with other people. And... uh one of the things that's really important for us as followers of Jesus uh, to remember is that we have an opportunity in this. There, there are people who, again, don't really enjoy being around people so much, and let's make it that when they're around us, it is a pleasant and, and beneficial experience to their lives. Um, so let's, let's focus on that. What's really cool is we have a good example of this. We have the early church church. Um, In Acts chapter 2, if you have a Bible, whether that's printed or electronic, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today, and you can grab that, and we're going to look at uh, this, the early church, the people right after they began to follow Jesus, how they lived their lives, um, and how they connected with people, and it's really good stuff. So let's pray first, and then we're going to dig dig into this. God, I ask that today we would uh, be people that want to connect with others, um, that we would do that in all the right ways and for all the right reasons, um, as we Dig into your word right now, God. Make it alive. Make it challenge us and encourage us and help us to be more like Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Okay, so Acts chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. This is what it says. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So let's spend a few minutes just digging into this text for a second. Um, Verse 41, it says, they accepted his message. Well, whose message and what was it? Well, here was the message. It was given by a guy named Peter who was a a follower of Jesus, one of his three closest friends. And Peter stood up and... uh, thousands and thousands of people were gathered for what was called Pentecost. It was a Jewish celebration. And he stood up and he talked to them about Jesus. And his message was this. Jesus died. And you were responsible for that. But here's the good news. Jesus died so that you can live. And that was basically the the message that he gave them. And when when they heard that, they said, okay, okay. That's a good message. I, I want to be a part of that. I, I, I feel convicted for the things that I've done wrong. Um, and what's interesting is that's really the first thing we have to do to be able to connect with people the right way. We have to accept this message of Jesus, who he is, and who we are. Because then God forgives our sin, God enters in our, into our lives, and then we can live with the Holy Spirit empowering us to live the way that we should. Some people today, if they hear you accept this message, they'll say, well, you know, it's not even really relevant. Or, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. How could you believe that? But it starts, this living uh, a life that makes a, a great connection with people starts with believing this message of Jesus. So that's the first thing, okay? They believed the message. And it changed their lives. It changed everything about the way that they saw life and the way they lived life. So look in verse 42. It says they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. And they devoted themselves to things that were really important. The the teaching about Jesus. They they devoted themselves to sharing life together, to eating a meal together, whether that was a a physical meal or whether it was a communion meal, a a time of celebrating the Lord's Supper, as we call it. And they spent time praying together. They were devoted to these things, things that connected them to God and things that connected them to each other. And in verse 43 says that they were filled with awe. Now, we're not apostles, but God still does signs and wonders. And really, the the place that you see that happen the most is where it needs to happen the most. The less there is of God in any particular area, the more miraculous it is when God shows up. So that might be like a mission field in a very dark country, or it might be a a really dark part of our hearts. But when God shows up, and we accept the message of Jesus, and, and we really lean into this idea of who he is, things begin to change. And sometimes that change is instantaneous. And sometimes it takes years and years. But whenever that change happens, it's not because of anything we've done. It's because of what God does. And it's truly Miraculous. And when it happens, we can be filled with awe of what God does. In verse 44 it says, they were together. They had everything in common. I don't know if you've noticed, but our country has a little bit of division going on right now. Just a little. It can be political. It can be any other number of things. And, you know, football season started. There's some division there. You know, But too often, we end up divided. And if we're honest, sometimes it's just because we're focused on our needs and our wants and our ministries and our goals and our preferences. But when we look through the lens that God provides, we become aligned in the things that truly matter. They had things in common, the same things that we should have in common purpose, mission, vision, commitment, message, belief, lifestyle. They were devoted to God first, to others second, and then to themselves. And that wasn't just something they said. It was how they lived. It was who they were. And you can check this out in the next verses, just continuing on, starting in verse 45. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is how they lived. And, and the first thing that just pops out is they sold stuff so they could give stuff to people who didn't have stuff, right? And they sold their own possessions so that they could benefit people who were in need. Now, this isn't communism, but it has the same rude word, root word. This is Community. Not communism, but community. And when I read about something like this, I have to ask myself two important questions. First of all, am I willing to sell some things so people can have? Am I willing to give up some of my possessions so people who don't have things can have them? And a second question that sort of precedes this is, am I willing not to buy something in the first place? so that somebody in need can be blessed. Holding on to our possessions loosely gives us freedom. And it keeps them from holding on to us with a tight grip. I am so glad to be part of a church family that truly gives, that truly sacrifices, that truly just pours out when there are needs. And I know some of you have done things like selling possessions or saying no to that thing that I was thinking I was going to buy because I heard about this need, and now I'm going to do this instead, and I'm just going to be content with what I have. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of that kind of a body. And I just want to thank you for being that way. Um, it's, It's how God connects us, not only to him, but it's a way that God connects us to each other. And then in verse 46, it says, They continued together. They hung out, they ate together, they spent time in each other's homes. You know, and, and they were just doing what Jesus did. Over and over in his ministry, we see that he goes to somebody's house or they, they're talking together or they're eating together. You know, these things happen um, when Jesus is around people. God in the flesh <laughs> connects with people. And, and I would just like to challenge all of us to, in the month of September, let's make a commitment. Let's do this. Let's invite someone into our home and just spend some time with them. Now, you might be like our house. like we've have, We have all these projects that are in the middle of and the house looks pretty bad and we don't have enough money to buy food. You no, know, that's not true. But you know, we're like, oh, we don't have the great big house and we don't have the, the awesome cooking strategies you know, and we don't have all of the space to provide you know, for a big meal. No, that's not the point just invite somebody into your life and into your house, into your apartment and say, let's just share a meal together. Tell me about what's going on in your life. Connect with people. As we continue in this text, it's interesting. It says they had glad and sincere hearts. And the word for glad here is the same word that they use when in Luke it says the angels brought glad tidings of great joy. It's a word that means extreme joy. They had hearts full of extreme joy. It's the same word that's used when Jesus is going out telling people about the kingdom of God and the good news with great joy. Christians should be glad, you know? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. But more importantly, let your face show it, right? You know, I mean it's it's like Christians, man, sometimes we're like, uh, life's hard. I can't I don't know who to vote for, you know. So, Everything's bad. You know, okay, whatever. Jesus is on the throne. He loves you. He created you. He's given you life here on earth It's abundant. He's given you life forever in heaven. Can you just calm down a little bit and say thank you, God, for the blessings that we have, right? Let's be people of joy. By the way, I was just talking to myself. Okay. (laughs) So we need to have glad hearts. That does not mean you ignore the problems of the world. It does not mean that you don't struggle as you walk through life. What it means is you walk through life with Jesus and because of the fact that God is on the throne and because of the fact that God has forgiven our sins and because of the fact that we have unity with God and unity with others, we can have joy even in the hardest times. So have a a glad heart, or really it's a heart of joy, and there's a huge difference. And it also says they had sincere hearts. And that word really has kind of two shades to it. The first one is to be authentic. So again, you don't go around pretending like everything's perfect. You don't go around saying you believe in something when you really don't. You know, you want to have a heart that is authentic. But the other thing that it means is to have a heart that is simple, that's pure. A heart that is not focused on so many things that can distract us, but rather it's focused on these things that we should have in common, the important things. So to have that kind of a heart, you know, a heart that lives with pure motives and without deceit. Verse 47, it says, they praised God. And that really refers all the way back to the previous verse where it says continually. They did this on a continuing daily kind of basis. So they were continually praising God. And we talked last week about how it's important for us to connect with God on a weekly basis, You know, to come to worship and set that time aside. To begin our week, the very first energy that we pour into our week is to say thank you, God, to give praise to him. Maybe if you don't eat breakfast, the first meal you have is the, the Lord's Supper. You know, just to to get your week started in the right way. And that's really important. But here we see that this wasn't something they just did once a week. They praised God on a continuing basis. As they lived their life, they just praised God. Throughout the day, they, they thanked God. They asked God for strength. They said, Lord, help me with this. Give me wisdom. They were just constantly in connection with God. And then... Because of all of this, there are really two pretty cool results that happened. We already read them, but let me hit them again. Uh, Enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Two results. First, the followers of Jesus enjoyed the favor of the people. Now, obviously, that doesn't happen all the time. Let's, let's be really, really honest. Jesus lived the perfect life, and yet he was despised and rejected. He was beaten, and he was executed. So sometimes people will not give you favor only because of the way that they live. It just really has nothing to do with you. It's just how they are. And we need to pray for those people and try to encourage them to have change come into their lives through the Holy Spirit. But if we're really super honest, sometimes the reason we don't have the favor of the people is because we aren't living right. We need to check how we are living against the way that they lived. They accepted the message about Jesus, they were committed to what they said they believed. They lived it out in meaningful relationship. They were in awe of God and how He worked in their lives. They emphasized what they had in common, not their differences. They did things to help people, including making personal sacrifices. They were pleasant and joyful. They kept things simple and had pure motives, and they consistently praised God and brought honor and glory to him rather than themselves. And when you truly live like that, the the chances are pretty good that people are going to see that in a favorable way. In fact, it says that the people not only saw it and, and had favor, it meant that these people were open to it themselves. They were attracted to this lifestyle. And that leads to this second remarkable result. That God met people where they were and He added them to the family. The Lord added to their number, is what it says. God consistently added people to the family by saving them. It was happening in the early church every single day, and it's happening every single day in the church throughout the world. People continue to see the message of Jesus lived out, hear the truth of the Word of God. They're moved in their spirits by the Spirit of God. They make the decision to follow Jesus, to confess their sins, to accept Him as Lord and Savior, to repent, to be baptized, and to follow Him. And God the Father adopts each child one at a time. It's not something we do. It's something God does for us. Because God is for us, He is not against us. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7, giving the perspective on how all this works, he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow or who gives the increase. God does God's part. God adds people to the family. But we need to do our part. We need to make the family look like something they want to be a part of. We need to live like Jesus and tell people about Jesus. And see, the way that Jesus lives is so different than the way the world lives. Listen to what Jesus says. I mean, he says a lot of things about how to live. But one of the powerful examples... um, is is here in Matthew chapter 20, and again in your life group this week we'll have an opportunity to talk about what this really means, how to how to really connect with people the way that, that Jesus would have us do it. But in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 25, uh, just a little quick background: the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest, you know, and and in fact one of the moms comes and says, hey, you know, the the, the moms come in and like you should hire my son, you know, that kind of thing. She's like. Really, uh, my boys are pretty awesome, so you should probably make like, one of them your right-hand man and one of them your left-hand man, okay? And Jesus gathers them together, and, and I'm sure he was kind of laughing inside and kind of heartbroken at the same time. This is what he says. Matthew chapter uh, 25, or Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and that their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. There's, there's a lot in there, but two, two phrases that just kind of pop out at me, um, want to look at real quick. The first one is the phrase, not so with you. Not so with you. The world says, hey, look out for number one. Jesus says, not so with you. Consider others. The world says, you know, just hang in your own group. You're different from those people anyway, and in fact, you're probably better than they are. Jesus says, not so with you. Connect with people as I have connected with you. The world says, use your authority, your position uh, to have people serve you. I mean, after all, you had to work hard to get this. You've earned it. Jesus says, not so with you. You look for opportunities to use your position to serve others. Do you want to be great? I mean, I think all of us would, would like to say, you know, Yeah, I want to be great. When I die, I want people to think that, you know, I was a pretty good dude. Well, then, here's how you do it. Jesus says you need to be different from the typical person who walks on this planet. You need to be like him. He calls us to it in verse 28. He says, just as the Son of Man. He uses this title, son of man, to refer to himself. He's saying, just as I lived in this kind of a way, you need to live this way. Be different. Think of others. Don't look to be served, but you take the first step and you serve them. Jesus is setting an example for us to follow, and then he tells his example, the the ultimate one where he gave his life for us, to redeem us, to bring us back to God. So he's not saying that we're going to be able to do that. What he's saying is, I left heaven. I, I put away all the things that I had. I, I left them all behind. I even dropped the, uh, the, the part of me 100% that was God, and I kept that, and I added this to it, and now I'm 100% God, I'm 100% man, and it's, and it's because of you that I did that. I said, yes serving you and I said it because I'm the only one that could do it so he's not asking us to try to do something to save someone's life in a spiritual sense he's saying I want you to be like me and consider others more important than yourselves and serve them The form of our service is going to be different than the form that Jesus had, but the heart, its motivation, should be the same. It's a heart that truly cares for other people. Just this week, two members of our church family had to say goodbye to close family members. And the week before, there was another person, another church family members, another family that had to do that. It's incredibly hard to lose a parent or a grandparent or a child. And that, that separation absolutely tears at our hearts. And I know it's not exactly the same and, and I don't mean it to be, but pain is pain. And this past week on Friday, we had to say goodbye to our dog, Allie, after 14 years. And um, it, was, it was a hard time. And to be really honest, just like these families who are going through this loss of a, a family member, I wasn't looking for somebody who had the coolest clothes and the nicest house and the, the best personality and the most popular person in the room. I was looking for somebody who cared. And I think, I know in my own life, there are times when I focused a little too much on trying to be cool rather than trying to be warm. Before we took Allie to the vet, we hugged each other and we prayed and we thanked God for this little dog who was a blessing to our lives. And then we thanked God that he would love us so much that he would willingly allow his son, his child, to be offered on our behalf. Because he loves us. And he wants to spend eternity with us. During times of mourning or pain or when life is difficult or we're dealing with mental or physical or emotional health issues, Whatever our struggles are, we want people around us who truly care, who look out for our interests, who sacrifice and serve us out of pure hearts and pure motives, people who know God and can bring God's peace to us. We want to connect with people as we walk through life who who want to connect with us. And again, we, this week, two family members died. And this week, in our church family, two babies were born. And at that time, you also want to be around people who love you and care and celebrate. Because in the end... Life is really about relationships. It's about our relationship with God, first of all. And then it's about our relationship with people. So it's no coincidence that Jesus said you can take all of the things that are written in the law, everything that the prophets talked about, and you can summarize it with two ideas that are very closely related. The first one is that we would love God completely. And the second is that we would love our neighbor as ourself. And it's no coincidence that our church mission statement, love God, love people, impact the world, is based on that idea. Today, September 11th, we remember uh, a tragic, horrible attack that happened um, 15 years ago in New York when many people lost their lives. And that was a time when people gathered together and they they cared and they loved and they prayed and church buildings were full. We lived in Costa Rica when this happened and you would not believe the unity and the concern that people showed for the American population who was in the country at the time. But among all the tragedy and horror of that day, there were some heroes. People that ran literally into burning buildings because they cared. That's what they said they were going to do with their lives. Willing to lay down their life for someone else. And that's truly remarkable. It's also remarkable that when our lives are in chaos and they're burning, that people would be willing to run in when everybody else runs away. And if you don't hear anything else today, please hear this. Jesus does both of those. Jesus willingly rescued us when no one else could. He hung on a cross, and he died in our place. Jesus also runs into our burning lives and says, I will walk with you. You don't have to go through this alone. Let's do this together. The good and the bad. And he never, ever leaves us alone. Each week we gather in our services and we proclaim who God is and what he does. And as part of that, we remember the sacrifice of Jesus and his love, where he gave up his life so we could have life. And in just a minute, we're going to take bread. represents the body of Jesus and a cup which represents his blood his sacrifice and in doing this we connect with God in in an incredibly powerful way we also connect with each other because this is a spiritual meal it is what we have in common it is in fact called communion And we have this time in common with other believers in Jesus throughout the world, throughout all ages. Later on in the book of Matthew, Jesus was gathering with his his closest friends, celebrating a meal. And when he did that, he, he began this feast that we celebrate. This is what it says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, eat it, it's my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so today, as the the cup and the, the bread are passed, as the trays are passed, take them, And remember the connection that you have with God because of his love and the connection that we have with other believers throughout the world. Let's pray. God, we give thanks for Jesus who gave his life for us and walks through life with us. We remember the sacrifice that cost so much and the love that allowed it to happen. We never take it for granted.